feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. are so bad in New York City and elsewhere that now the New York State National Guard troops are being told to check all the migrants arriving in New York City for distinctive tattoos that are linking them to some of the brutal gangs that are now ravaging New York City and elsewhere. The Venezuelan gang, Tren de Aragua, that is from Aragua, Venezuela. These guys are ruthless. And they are apparently pairing up with also MS-13. But we're at a point where now the New York State National Guard is checking to see if there's distinctive tattoos on people coming into the migrant shelters because these gangs are now brutalizing New York residents with the robberies and the beatings and a whole bunch more. And case in point, we also see... This story, and this to me epitomizes the worst of the worst. This is the case of this guy, Yoheni Brito. He's 24 years old. Um, He was being held in Rikers. He was the only one of the group that had been beating up ruthlessly those police officers that we saw all on videotape in Times Square. Remember, the other ones got out with the, uh, you know, have a good trip uh, pass. And they ended up apparently on a bus. They're sipping margaritas in Mexico now laughing at America after they beat and kicked the cops. And this guy who really sparked the whole thing, this guy, they were able to track him down and they got him. They put him behind bars. They He had a ruthless, you look at his background, he had a pretty long rap sheet. And then, of course, he's charged with assaulting a police officer. They put him on $15,000 bail. And a Lutheran church in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, says, you know what? He seems like such a nice, sweet boy. Seems like such a nice, fine young man. And we should give him his 80th chance. And here's what the pastor from the church said. I can't believe this. They put up the bail for the guy. I thought I was misreading things when this story came out. And then he says, we assume that people are innocent until they are proven otherwise. Forgive me, Reverend, but have you seen the videotape? It's the guy, and they're wrestling with him. You see him all over the videotape. His face is there. Everything's clear as day. This is the guy who's punching and kicking the cops that started the whole scuffle with the officers, and the other ones were kind of rallying around him. And yet you're giving him another chance after he's punching and beating police officers? This, to me, is so unbelievable, and I'm sure, listen, the churches have good intentions. They're all about forgiveness, but I'm sorry. This guy, if you punch a police officer and beat up a police officer, you do not deserve to get $15,000 bail. Why did this church suddenly take it upon themselves and said, we're going to see if he gets proven guilty? It's pretty easy. Just play the videotape for five seconds, and I think you realize that you got the guy. And then... You got him behind bars. He's the only one. And you let him out. 
This is so unbelievable. So he's probably going to flee town very soon. Thank you to the church, the Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Thank you very much, Pastor and congregants. Is that how you want to spend your money, by putting up $15,000 for a guy who's beating police officers and had a rap sheet before it? That, to me, is unconscionable. What are your thoughts about that, guys? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And we are also talking tonight, of course, about all these different trials surrounding President Donald Trump. The first trial that looks like it's going to hit on deck, by the way, is not the Fannie Willis issue. Of course, she's on trial essentially right now, and we're going to get to that in a minute and play some more of that blockbuster testimony today because, boy, it was definitely one for the record books. But the first case that's going to come up is the criminal case, and this is the Stormy Daniels hush money case because Trump was in court today and D.A. Bragg uh, made the case to the judge saying there should not be a delay. This should hurry up. We want to get to this. This is about going after business records. This is something that you never charge somebody else for. But because the last name is Donald Trump, they're saying that he should have listed it on a business record versus, you know, a campaign that it should have been tied to the campaign. He says, no, it was personal um, and that he gave the money to Cohen. I mean, it is crazy. And there, it's basically a clerical error. And that's the most it is. And so they're now, of course, trying to do whatever they can to drag President Trump through on this one. And the judge said, OK, well, we're going to go forward. So this one is now set for March 25th. It will be the first time that a former president in American history will be on trial in a criminal case. Uh, so even though it seems crazy, it's the whole Stormy Daniels hush money case. That becomes the first criminal case that President Trump is going to face and, again, literally becomes the first time in American history that a former president will be involved in a criminal trial, and it will start March 25th. So he's in the middle of campaigning. He has to appear when it's a criminal case. So this really gets muddy and murky and everything else. And, of course, needless to say, he came out today and said, this is election interference at its height, that this is complete election interference. When you look at the timing, you look at the case, you look at the background, it's very similar to a lot of other things where people never went after. Even some of the stuff on his inflated, if you say, okay, well, he inflated his value of his properties. That's, again, basing that they say Mar-a-Lago is worth $18 million, which is preposterous. It's worth so much more. But they never go after people for things like that. They never go after people on something like this. But because the last name is Donald Trump, that's why they're taking it to a whole other level. And also, today, we really heard how preposterous the case is in Georgia. And that is because Fannie Willis, who is the DA who took it upon herself to say she's going to go after President Trump, ends up hiring her boyfriend, this guy, Nathan Wade. Now, again, it comes to the timing of when, because they said, no, there wasn't a relationship Then they said, no, well, actually, the relationship happened, but it happened after, after I brought him on board. And it's just a total coincidence that he asked for a divorce the next day. There's nothing to see there. And then this was an unbelievable part of her testimony today. She storms in and then she says, you know, I never, you know, I always paid everything. I never 
you know, accepted anything from him. In other words, the money he got from the state, because he's the prosecutor, he's paid by the state, was not used for romantic relationships. They went on cruises everywhere. They had like the high life. They went to Aruba. They went to Belize. They went on all these great trips. She was talking about champagne and caviar and all this other great stuff. Sounded pretty delicious. I was like, wow, that sounds like a pretty good life. And then you realize, wait a minute. He's getting paid by the state. This is not a good thing. And this is the team that's prosecuting President Trump and all these other defendants. And this historic case, it just looked like such a joke. But she wants us all to believe that any time the guy paid, it wasn't state money because they realize how bad that would look, that she would reimburse him back in cash. Again, like she's kind of walking around like the Sopranos and has cash on hand. So here's a little bit of the way she says she paid him back because she doesn't need to rely on a man. Listen to this. Did you ever pay him anything other than cash? I've only given him cash a few times in, in the course of what we're talking about. So you if we would go to dinner, let, let her finish her answers. If we would go to dinner, I wouldn't give him <laughs> cash because he paid for dinner or I paid for dinner. I've given him cash only a few times in life, probably four. Okay. Probably the most money I've ever handed him is $2,500. The least amount of money I've handed him, probably between 500 and $1,000. You never wrote him a check? Ma'am, I don't have checks. Okay. I don't have checks. And then here is this one. This is uh, Fannie Willis who says, I don't need a man. Listen to this one. It's interesting that we're here about this money. Mr. Wade is used to women that, uh, as he told me one time, the only thing a woman can do for him is make him a sandwich. We would have brutal arguments about the fact that I am your equal. I don't need anything from a man. A man is not a plan. A man is a companion. And so there was tension always in our relationship, which is why I was give him his money back. I don't need anybody to foot my bills. The only man who's ever foot my bills completely is my daddy. So wait, wait, she said that he said uh, the only thing good a woman is for is to make a sandwich. <laughs> this is crazy. But but then she goes into the different kind of booze that they both like. This was this is what everybody's talking about. I want to party with these guys. Listen to this one. Much less cash that time, probably four or five hundred dollars or uh, a bunch of stuff. I think we did two different wine tours that you do, which are pretty expensive. Um, I think I bought him. He likes wine. I don't really like wine, to be honest with you. I like Grey Goose. Um, I bought him a bottle of wine while we were there and the sippings that you do. I can't remember how many, like four or five different places you go. I remember we went to um, to this place that they do pairings. Um, that was the most expensive thing that I think that we did while we were there. So they would pair uh, they, they would pair uh, champagne chocolate and champagne chocolate and caviar it was a three and it was like three different things sweden russia someplace else i'll make that up but um that that was the most expensive thing we did that trip and i paid for i paid for that you pay cash for us doing that Mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah i carry cash everywhere and sure sounds like a lavish lifestyle and now we know that she likes gray goose and he likes wine and then here is Nathan Wade. This is the prosecutor she hired. And, and you got to hear this one. Here he is. I call this a word salad because they go and say, when did the relationship start? 
Well, he says, again, it started in 2022. He gets hired, uh, appointed as the prosecutor in this very high-profile case, 2021. He's still married through all this. But yet, it's again like Clinton, the definition of is-is. Listen to this one. As of May the 30th, 2023, when you filed this interrogatory, you had, in fact, entertained Ms. Willis on many occasions, had you not? Again, during the course of the marriage, the marriage was irretrievably broken in 2015. Well, the answer is still no. Let's read what the interrogatory says about the time period required to answer the interrogatory. Because what it says is, uh, it goes on to say, including you, including but not uh, limited to dining and or drinking at any restaurants, bars, pubs, hotels, or persons' homes from the date of marriage to the present. You understand what the word present means? I do. And present means the filing on May the 30th, 2023. Isn't that right? It is. So as of May the 30th, 2023, you have done a lot, or you had done a lot of entertaining of Miss Willis, had you not? I had done some, yes. And in fact, under your testimony, uh, you would have said that she had also entertained you. Isn't that correct? Yes. And so your answer to this interrogatory is false, is it not, sir? No, it's not false. Uh, well, hate to dance around the. You, know, you, 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 you the answer is yes. You did entertain Miss Willis, correct? Right? Yes. She's not. She's not uh, your spouse at that time or any time, correct? That's correct. She's not related to you by blood or marriage, correct? That's correct. But she entertained her, right? Yes. And during the course from your marriage, the period of time up to the press, so the answer would have been, yes, I did entertain somebody, correct? During the course of the marriage, no. Mr. Wade. Uh, Mr. Gillen, I think we've, we've made a point. I think it speaks for itself, and we can save that for itself. argument. May, I'll just follow up with one quick question. You understand what the word present means? Your Honor, I think we did cover that already as well. <laughs> that is like... Uh, threading a needle if there ever was one. In other words, my wife and I weren't really sorted together. So if I quote entertain Fanny, I'm not really sure if that was at the time I was married because even though I just got a divorce many years later. So if that makes sense to any of you, please explain that out there. I'd like to hear that one. 1-800-848-9222. We'll take your calls when we come back here on the Rita Cosby Show. You're listening to the Rita Cosby Show. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This is the Rita Cosby Show.
Nights theme song. That's a good choice for a music there that we got going on. I think we need to put it up as a tribute to Nathan Wade today. Here we go. was caught up in their testimony today. It was gripping. I've covered a lot of cases, but this was definitely one for the record books. How do you think this played out? Well, let me play. This is Greg Jarrett. Uh, This is Cut 24. And Greg Jarrett, who is with Fox News, he's the Fox News legal analyst, And we talked with him earlier today on Cats and Cosby, and this was his assessment of day one, Fannie Willis. Listen to this. The other critical question is, did she benefit financially from the money she paid Wade, an exorbitant amount of money, when they took lavish vacations together, some of it on the taxpayer dime? Well, she insisted she always paid her fair share by reimbursing him. But here's the thing. She says she did it in cash. So we're talking about thousands of dollars, which, of course, in cash cannot be traced or corroborated. How very convenient. The whole thing is bizarre. And quite frankly, it doesn't pass the smell test. Yeah, that's a nice way to say it. Uh, Let's go to Jerry in New Jersey. Jerry, your thoughts. Yeah. Hi, Rita. Um, What you said earlier. The appearance of impropriety is as bad as actual impropriety. I want everyone to know that that's a rule that not only is Supreme Court case law, but it's also appellate law in in the federal, and it's also federal district at the trial court, and it's for the state, all 50 states. It's on the American Bar Association ethics canon. So let me, literally, we have a few seconds. You think, obviously, they should be disqualified, Yes. Well, yes, of course, but it's a dispositive issue, meaning that only one issue they have to focus on, they better get focusing on the idea that there's no way but... Oops, we got stay with us, Jerry. Rita Cosby is on... I think we're dedicating this song to Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade. It's coming up in a moment here. I got a good feeling about this. Here we go. Today, when she got on the stand, it was like, whoa, it was like Sybil. Her head was spinning. And then she started blaming the prosecutors. And that was day one. Day two is tomorrow. I can't wait. I mean, I like I love like watching a good movie or a good TV show. This is like better than like any soap opera. This is like real life. 
And now that we know that she likes Grey Goose, he likes wine, he's a Southern gentleman. I mean, this is like one for the record books. This really was remarkable. And boy, it'll be interesting. The judge we're hearing is going to do a filing in writing. We're not hearing that he's going to make a decision tomorrow, but that he will make a decision following this and put it in writing. He'll probably take a few days, you would imagine, at least, to make a decision. But obviously, it's an important case, and he's clearly thought there was a problem because he is the one who felt it was justified to have this hearing. They were saying, no, there shouldn't be a hearing. Let's just move on, keep prosecuting the case, nothing to see here. And everyone's like, no, there is clearly enough evidence to at least warrant the hearing. The judge agreed, and the judge said that this is serious. If it turns out, indeed, that there is this appearance, at minimum, of a conflict of interest or a real conflict of interest, as we were just talking, we're going to get to Jerry in a moment because he had some great information there. But here is a little bit more of Fanny Willis on the stand because, boy, she was like taking it to everybody in the courtroom when she kind of like made her pronouncement and stormed in. Listen to this. So your office objected to us getting um, or flights that you may have taken when no, Mr. Wade. Well, no, no, no. Look, I object to you getting records. You've been intrusive into people's personal lives. You're confused. You think I'm on trial. These people are on trial for trying to steal an election in 2020. I'm not on trial, no matter how hard you try to put me on trial. She was defiant, she was belligerent, and she was feisty. I'll give her that. It was definitely one for the record books. 1-800-848-9222. Should the case be thrown out from what you have heard? Should they at least be disqualified? And where is this headed? Let's go back to Jerry. Uh, Jerry, we had to go to a hard break there, but I want to ask you, you're an attorney, it sounds like, right? Uh, Rita, I'd rather not answer that question. Okay, all right, all right. No, the only reason I bring that up is you seem to have a good grasp on the law. That's the only reason. I'm not going to ask you where or anything, but it seems like you have a good sense of the law. So walk us through again, because it sure looks like the appearance standard has been met. So to cut to the chase, if you think there's an appearance of impropriety, forget whether there's actual in all of this case that we've been looking at, all of the testimony, everything, all she's refuting is that there's not actual impropriety. She hasn't been tested on yet, and I don't see how she can cure that, that there's no appearance of impropriety. I mean, that's the whole reason the case is even in front of this court. You can't remove the appearance of impropriety from this. There's no cure for this. Now, with that said, if you think there's an appearance of impropriety, the case is over. Not only does Fannie Willis, and this is something I want to point out, and Wade have to go, but under the Georgia law, everybody they supervise is my understanding, what I've heard. And yep. Learned people have said it. They have to be removed, too. Yes, I've heard that, too, as well. Okay. now here's the thing. That rule, the appearance of impropriety is as bad as actual impropriety, is a rule that from law school through to the Supreme Court and everything in between, every county court, every city court, every federal, every state court, every administrative court, every civil court and every criminal court, that rule is good law. It's never been overturned. Anytime it's even tested, it is upheld like 100 percent. And the burden even seems to go and the onus even seems to go on a person such as Fannie Willis and Wade who have created this problem. It's sort of like it shifts to them, even though maybe legally it doesn't shift to them. In actuality, it kind of does. They kind of got to even show to a degree that, you know, the appearance of impropriety is okay. So what I wish that these attorneys would start doing 
is asking for some judicial notice of with the judge that, you know, the appearance of impropriety is as bad as actual impropriety, even if it's just for the sake of letting the people see this across the nation, understanding that that is a real rule that is uh, the dispositive issue of this case. It's low-hanging fruit. It should be the one they're going after. And then they should even ask him for sort of a, a, a judicial notice of the fact that she can't cure this, because no matter what she says, there's been already enough uncontroverted facts and facts that they're not even contesting that creates the appearance of an impropriety and her trying and Wade trying to undo it. They could never undo that because they can't be trusted by a certain segment of society. And we can't have Chinese and Russian looking type courts. And that's what we have here. And it's, it's in the context of the presidential election. I mean, they have to start hitting on her on these type of issues because she can't worm her way out of, she can say there was an actual impropriety. You can even grant that for the sake of argument, but she's not going to be able to explain how, there's not an appearance of impropriety. And Case then, closed. and then, and Jerry, so then what it would do is they would have to find a new prosecutor. She would be disqualified. He would be disqualified if, if the judge agrees with you. And, and by the way, I, I, I think a lot of people agree with what you're saying. And then, then it would obviously delay the case. Could it, could it actually throw out the case? There are some that say it could, it kind of unravels the case. I think obviously at minimum, it starts over with the new prosecutor. Well, I think that you right. I don't think you have to reach that even. I think you can actually, I think it's a fair in the middle of the road just to dismiss the whole thing, move it all out and see if a new prosecutor wants to start it. Now, if this judge doesn't have the uh, bravery to do that, then I have to say that race has come into this. Meaning if these two judges, I'm going to say this, I honestly believe if Wade and Fannie, I don't like to say this, but I really believe this. If Wade and Fannie were uh, white people, I think they would probably be gone already. I really do. I think this would have been made summarily, quickly. They would have been removed. You do? Why? You think that they're just caught? By the way, she has brought up race, and I I found that really kind of reprehensible at one point in the church. Remember, she's like, they're only picking on Nathan Wade because, you know, he's a black man, you know? And that, to me, I found very offensive because that was even before she admitted to even having any relationship, Remember? And it was like, yes. oh, they're just making it up out of whole cloth and they're doing this to a black man. No, they're, they are. They, this is a case of, you know, what appears to be, and I agree with you, of impropriety. And they may not have been uh, factual with the court, which is a huge, serious issue. I mean, she may end up being, you know, if they find that she lied and he lied, they could both be disbarred well beyond this case. I mean, you know, there, there's some this is serious stuff. And I, and I hear what you're saying, though, but I think. I think in this case, they're trying to bring that in because she even brought it up on the stand today, too. She said, you know, well, or I think he did, that they kind of bonded because, you know, because they were both African-American. And, you know, I mean, you know, you can see sort of where the seeds are, where they're going. Go ahead, Jer. I think that the judge, being human, and he is a white judge, I believe, looking at him, uh, that he feels pressure because he's in Atlanta and he's in a community where he doesn't want to have trouble in the streets. And he doesn't want to be the cause of that. And you can't blame him for that. So he's being very uh, careful how he handles this, where if the people were white, they wouldn't have to be careful. It would be off with their heads. These two would be out. I'm telling you, 
they would be out across the nation in any area that you wouldn't have a racial problem, meaning if everyone was white involved in this. So unfortunately, I do believe that race has gotten into this. And like you said, they're constantly injecting it because they know that. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing that. And I think it's time for some of the attorneys to touch lightly on it, but to go a little more at it. And when, when that attorney, when she kept saying, what are you raising your voice for and everything, you know, the attorney should have said, well, I'm raising my voice a little bit because this is so important. What you have done is so bad. Yeah, so serious. I- right. Right. Yeah. I, and, and maybe, Jerry, it'll be interesting to see. Jerry, thank you for the call. You're terrific. You got a call again. You were fantastic. And I think, Jerry, they may go there afterwards. That could be interesting. Maybe they're waiting. You know, she has to finish tomorrow. So maybe she continues. And maybe once she is done, they kind of put a little bow on the whole case and go into some of those points to say, just as you said, that the appearance of impropriety is pretty blazing, I think. And I agree with you, in my opinion, too, watching this. And that is, you know, that is enough to say that somebody should be disqualified. And, you know, even some of these other things just look so bad for them. Their stories are unbelievable. I found both of them not credible. And, uh, boy, I can't wait for part two tomorrow. By the way, speaking of cases, two guys, there's a big new development, and this is interesting. Now, who could forget, remember last week when the damning report came out from special counsel Robert Hur? That's the one who's investigating President Biden. And remember, Robert Hur said, you know, we would have basically prosecuted him, but we felt like, you know, yes, he willfully withheld documents, he disclosed documents, classified documents, top secret documents, all these things that he shouldn't have had and shouldn't have done. But if we put him before a jury, he'll come across as a well-meaning, elderly, forgetful, senile man, essentially, is what they said. And everybody goes, oh, my God, you know, and, and, you know, I can't believe that they're using the sort of old senile man defense, right? And that's why they didn't go after him. And then they brought up some of the examples that he couldn't remember the years that he was vice president and that he couldn't remember even within a few years of when his son died, his son, Bo, who he talks about All the time, all the time he talks about Bo. And then President Biden came out and he did the press conference. And remember, he was outraged, absolutely outraged that Robert Hur brought up in the conversations, in the interview that he did with him as special counsel. And when he met with him over a two day period, he couldn't believe that the special counsel asked him about his deceased son. He thought it was so unseemly and so reprehensible. This was this famous moment last week. In addition, I know there's some attention paid to some language in the report about my recollection of events. There's even reference that I don't remember when my son died. How in the hell dare he raise that? Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. Let me tell you something. Some of you have commented, I wear since the day he died, every single day, the rosary he got from Our Lady of... Every Memorial Day, we hold a service remembering him, attending by friends and family and the people who loved him. I don't need anyone. I don't need anyone. Remind me when he passed away or passed away. Simple truth is I sat for a five-hour interview over two days of events going back 40 years. At the same time I was managing an international crisis, their task was to make a decision about whether to move forward with charges in this case. 
That's their decision to make. That's the council's decision to make. That's his job. And they decided not to move forward. For any extraneous commentary, they don't know what they're talking about. It has no place in this report. The bottom line is the matter is now closed. Matters closed. Well, now NBC News is reporting that it was Biden himself that actually brought up his son's death from brain cancer and that it was he who brought it up during the five hours of questioning that took place over that two day period, October 8th and October 9th, that it wasn't the special counsel who brought it up. He can't even remember what he's angry about. He's slamming the special counsel for how dare he bring up my son. And NBC News, which is not necessarily an unfavorable network to President Biden, says it was Biden himself who actually brought it up specifically during the conversation with her because he was trying to get a time frame on the vice presidency and other things. And then he said, well, let me think my son Bo died here and then I'm not really sure on this and then Bo and this. Like, and so he's the one who brought it up. This is so preposterous and you can't make it up that he is going after the special counsel on something he brings up. And now the GOP Republicans in Congress are asking for a copy of the transcript and also maybe a videotape, too, if they have videotapes of it, too. Put it out there. And I think they should. I think the whole American public needs to see exactly what this president actually said. What can he recall, what he can't recall? If he can't even recall uh, that he brought up a point that now he's blistering the special counsel about, boy, are we in a sad state if this is the commander-in-chief. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And we'll take your calls when we come back. But first, here is our Support Our Heroes segment. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And this is the Tunnel to Towers Foundation Support Our Heroes segment. Tunnel to Towers does so much for our great American military and first responder heroes. And this story comes from Leroy, Illinois, where after serving overseas as an Army medic and company clerk, veteran Harlan Pop Bottles, I love that his nickname is Pop, Pop Bottles, moved to Leroy, Illinois, and joined the American Legion Post 79. Now, at 99 years old, Harlan Pop Bottles is the last living World War II veteran at that American Legion Post, Post 79. Members celebrated him with a big birthday party and an open house just a few days ago, but they had another special reason, as they wanted to honor Bottles this year specifically as he will have been a member of Post 79 for 79 years. That is so fantastic. And the senior vice commander there of the Post said, I don't think that this will ever happen again in the history of our Post. He is truly remarkable. Many people came, including state senators, to give him recognition certificates. They gave him a flag flown over the uh, the Illinois State Capitol honoring his birthday and also a proclamation declaring that day Pop Bottles Day. Just to give you a little bit of background, during World War II, he served as an Army medic, and he said, we were on the move all the time, hauling the wounded from hospitals to boats, 
from boats to hospitals, from hospitals to airplanes, from airplanes to hospitals. There were so many wounded. And he said, I would do it all over again. You would do anything in the world for your comrades and for your friends. Bravo to this great veteran and how wonderful to see him recognized for being a member of Post 79 for 79 really amazing years. And everybody, again, all it does is it takes just $11 a month. Simply donate $11 a month to the Great Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Check them out. They do so much for our veterans and our great heroes in this country. Go to T2T.org, T2T.org. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. And we are taking your calls, 1-800-848-9222. Tomorrow is day two, Fannie Willis. Can't wait to hear what kind of songs we pull out on that one because there's a lot of good love songs out there. And uh, boy, we will hear more about it tomorrow. And it'll be interesting to hear, just like Jerry was saying, if the attorneys kind of zero in tomorrow on the appearance of impropriety, I think the judge is leaning that way. I would hope so. And let's see if the prosecutors kind of put it all together after she gets off the stand. Maybe they might have other witnesses. They say they've got a whole bunch of witnesses from Fanny's office. So let's see where that goes. Uh, Let's go to Phil, by the way. Uh, Phil, you're on hold there. I see you want to talk about, obviously, the migrants. Go ahead, because I know there's a lot of hot stuff there, too. Yeah, I'll make it quick. It's very simple. The the Good Shepherd Lutheran Church and the... uh, the uh, what do you call it? The Catholic charities. They're merely extensions of the Democrats because they're, they're on the woke agenda. They've been on the woke agenda. They give money out to these people. People who were in a burnt out building here in Grand Concourse in the Queens went to Good Shepherd and went to Salvation Army. And they asked them for 50 bucks, 50 bucks so they can get some groceries and feed their kids. In the meantime, some of them were in shelters. They told him to go to hell. It was in a local paper. It was a page and a half article about oh, the impropriety wow. that went on. Wow. Wow. You know, Phil, now you know what's that, Phil? Church to get but 15 Phil, grand. Yeah, to give 15 grand to, to a guy. Grand, to a guy who's a criminal. For a church to get 15 grand, that, that's not commonplace. Most churches are broke. These people get money. They're front groups for the Democrats, for the woke agenda of the state. They get favors and benefits by doing that. Well, you know what I want to know. First off, who would give? You shouldn't be giving fifteen thousand. And then the reverends asked, "Well, we just want to see people are innocent." That's on videotape. I agree with you. It's preposterous.